All right, if uh, everybody will come on in and have a seat, we'll go ahead and get started. It's not too late if you're a kid to come on down. We'd love to have you down here uh, for our kids scene class tonight, if you will. And I'm going to get it right the last Sunday of this year. If you're here tonight and you did not have the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, uh, if you'll go back to the little chapel, uh, somebody will help you with that at this time. So feel free to go ahead and go back there. All right, it's the last time we'll meet together for 23. So let's all say the books of the Bible together. I know they know them. That's the question is if you know them. Let's just see. Ready? Let's check our camera. Let's check our camera. 
fruits of the Spirit are
And your Aunt Carrie brought some too? Oh, she's going to be here? Good. Well, that's what I was just saying. I want all our visitors to stay and be a part of this. This is the last time we can be together uh, for the year, so we'd love for you to stay and be a part of that fellowship with us tonight in just a few minutes. Also, everybody that plans on attending Maywood Christian Camp, uh, you can begin to sign up for that tomorrow, and it's recommended that uh, you hit it right at 10 o'clock when registration begins. Also, uh, the Good Samaritans and anyone who would like to help, uh, you're going to be meeting with Bridget on January the 7th at 2.30. She needs lots of help. And so if, you can, uh, if you're part of this group and would like to help, please see her. But that's this coming Sunday, January the 7th, uh, in the afternoon at 2.30. Also, Family Skate Night is Sunday, January the 14th. It's ice skating at Cadence Bank Arena in Tupelo following evening classes. Physical therapy will follow for anybody who may uh, need that. I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight. I'm going to close out with a prayer, and then Sully is going to be leading our song for all the teachers to go to class. Will you bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, as we come to the close of this year, we thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy that you've manifested toward us throughout this year and always. We recognize you as the giver and the sustainer of all things, and it's in you that we live and move and have our very being. Father, we have so much to be thankful for, and in addition to all the physical and material things that you give us each day, we thank you for those spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus, the hope of heaven, uh, the possibility of being cleansed from our sins and justified and made whole. Thank you for these blessings that are only possible in your son. And Father, we thank you for this church. We're so thankful for what this church means to this community. We're thankful for our elders who continue to lead us in the way that we should go and continue to bless them, Father, with the wisdom that they need. And for each one here, Father, may we recognize our individual importance to the complete body here at Boonville. And may we endeavor as especially beginning a new year that we'll do our part to make the church here the best it can be. And Father, during this time of the year, we know that many are sick. We pray your blessings uh, upon those uh, that are experiencing illness right now. We pray that the care that's being given them will be done so that they can be restored to their health. And Father, we pray for those who've lost loved ones. We're thinking about the Heath Morris family who he passed away this week uh, unexpectedly. We pray that you'll bless his wife and his children and his family. We also think about uh, Mallory Mahon and her father, Wayne, who passed away as well. We pray your blessings upon that family uh, during this difficult time. And, Father, there's so many others who've lost loved ones, and we pray that you would bless them as they grieve. Father, most of all, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who gave his life on the cross for our sins. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Skies and rainbows. to the old Lord. Do I live
Blue skies, rainbows, and sunbeams from heaven. The Lord's living in you. That's what you see. Is that what you see? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what we see. Because no matter what you see with your eyes, we're not living that way, are we? We are living by faith. Okay, I have a lot of people on this list. Some updates about folks. I'll go through it as quickly as I can. And if you have an update you'd like to share with us, I will note that here and we'll pray about that. Irene Baker's Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz is still taking treatments for cancer, but uh, doing okay. Wade Davis is still missing after a year and a half. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Marty Woodruff is very sick with cancer. Uh, how did anybody know how Donna's biopsy went? Okay. Eli Johnson, what's an update on him? Do you know? Okay, but he's still taking treatments. some infusion treatments probably through this month or through January. A bar okay. Okay. Through the 16th. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Larry Muse has cancer. Lennox Kenimer and Micah McBrayer are children that have cancer. Anybody have any updates on them? Sybil Tollison has Alzheimer's. Ligon's neighbor. Jeremy Owens uh, had gone through some tests. He's recovering. Joanne is here, but she has neuropathy. We pray for Ben too. Just lump you together. You'll take it. Jayla Ross, uh, anybody have an update about her? She was at Shepherds and making progress last I heard. She's back home? Do you know what her status is? She's, she's recovered a lot. Okay. Great. Yay, right? Okay. Sadie Downs has stomach cancer. Johnny Derrick got a bad report recently. Monique Brown, friend of Missy's, she has breast cancer. Billy Martin's friend, Christy Nash, very sick. Norma Hemwell, still not well. Joy Jameson is recovering at home. Rhonda Lansdale has breast cancer. Anybody have an update on Dennis Brown? He was staying at least through the holidays at Vanderbilt, so I'm hoping that he's doing okay. Terry Ross needs a liver transplant. Sean Crum needs a liver transplant. Any update? No. Uh, Junior Wilson has pancreatic cancer. Allie Johnson's undergoing chemo. Jonathan Bishop has cancer. Flora Warner is at um, Landmark. She's been sick, but otherwise adjusting. Uh, Pat Hall has cancer. Mary King has several health problems, but uh, the blood clot situation that was going on, that has pretty well been resolved, although she needs to you know, walk and uh, keep circulation up. John Roten uh, was sick uh, this week. Is he? Good. 
Okay. Brian's recovering from foot surgery. Ricky Neves um, going to take a treatment, try and reduce the tumor. Uh, he has a mouth cancer. Uh, Dale's sister, Jackie Lambert's recovering from several setbacks she had. I think she's on the right track now. Uh, my friend Ralph and Glenda, their grandson Will, had a kidney transplant. Jim Thomason, uh, he was, there he is right now. You doing kicking high? Not kicking high, but doing okay? Wanda Devon is Mickey Scott's sister. I think family's taking care of her. Ray Miller is at home recovering from surgery. Kathy Johnson, not sure about the follow-up. Still not sure. Okay. Uh, Chester Donovan. Okay, doing okay. Uh, our friend Rudy Gerber, he's actually in Ireland where he had his surgery. Um, they're facing some follow-up treatments. Turns out the cancer he has is very aggressive. It's already spread to some areas. So family, as you can imagine, is very concerned. Uh, Ken Scott's dad, Roy, is recovering from surgery. Jenny Ballard is Kathy's mother. She's having some heart issues. She okay? Okay, good. Uh, Jenny Adams is having some back issues and a lot of pain. Violet Cavanis, whose case friend had recent colon cancer diagnosis. Any news? Okay. So they got it early. She taking treatment now? Okay. Callie Allison was in a bad automobile accident, uh, probably facing some rehab from her injuries. Anybody have an update? She just went through painful, rehab. painful rehab. That's not what we like to hear, but oftentimes that's what it is, isn't it? Uh, remember Lynette, uh, Lynette and Dave, they have some difficulties they're going through. How's Jasper? Wide open, so he's, he's fine. Dennis and Dot Worley, they're dealing with injuries that they sustained a long time ago, but some of that is still a problem. So possibly Dennis is going to be facing some surgery. Dot's got some back issues. Uh, Marty Green's mother broke her hips in recovery. So we have requests. I mean, I'll be hand a box. Somebody will say, hey, will you pray for me? And... Um, we had a request from the food pantry for Teddy Downs, who's in really bad health. Some of you may know Teddy. Uh, Ann Gardner, as a friend of JT's, is undergoing tests for spots found on the brain. You have an update? No. Brent's Hill Davis is recovering from injuries sustained in her fall. Uh, Doug Smith's dad, Kelby Smith, passed away. Uh, the funeral is going to be this coming Saturday, January the 6th, at Florence Boulevard in Florence. Visitation is from 10 a.m. until 1, and then the funeral is going to be after that. So we prayed for Susan this morning, and Brenda got word that she had passed away. So we want to pray for that family, and Brenda, we're, we're really sorry. Uh, Maydeen Crow is doing good. Her wing is healing, and uh, she's doing that painful therapy you were talking about, but at least she's making progress. They say if it hurts, you know you're alive. I don't know if that helps or not, but that's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, Mallory uh, uh, Mahon, um, Carter's fiance, her father passed away this weekend. So remember her family in your prayers. And then uh, the Heath Morris family. Do you have anybody else? Pat Ross. Uh -huh. Pat Ross. Had a knee, um, 
Can you believe we're talking about January? I'm still in last year. It's gone, it went so fast. These years, boy, they go by. <laughs> I hope I hope I'm in. Yes. Okay, well, I hope they can resolve that. Yes. Yes, Larry. Larry Page, about here in Thanksgiving, developed a plant, a plant, and she was sort of diagnosed with a muscle or something, got some treatment, got better. And then about the time we were doing fruit baskets, her back got out of what, what do you do? Got over. Okay, this morning they were planning to leave after the worship service on a trip for a few days, and she fell in her back. And they make a sudden trip to Dr. Houston's office of urgent care, and after investigating and doing x rays, uh, they decided that she had, had had some. Kidney stones. And probably after that first back hurts, she passed one and another one, and only some fragments still exist. <coughs> so everything seemed to turn out good on, on the end of it, but uh, the doctor gave them some medicine to have out with it, so they're going on, he'd be okay to take a trip. She's still going on the trip. We don't hope it Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, we'll definitely pray. First time I ever saw anybody that had kidney stones, I was actually in the emergency room seeing somebody else. And this guy came in screaming in agonizing pain. It sounded like, sounded like somebody's cutting his leg off. And he fell down on the floor, writhing in pain, just screaming out. And there was that triage nurse. She was just sitting there. I was like, hey, this guy. Oh, he's got a kidney stone. I was like, you know, where's the mercy here? I just, man, it's like he was dying. So, and I know uh, several of you have had them. They're excruciatingly painful. So we pray that uh, she does well and uh, is better really soon. Okay, let's pray about these folks and then we'll begin our study. And thank you so much for being here tonight. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for a great day today. Thank you for the extension of this day in fellowship, to be able to sit down to a meal, just to reflect for a little while about the year and anticipate the beginning of a new year. I know, Lord, that things like this are inconsequential to you, but they, they do inspire us many times to start fresh and give us a, a clear-cut point of reference. So, Lord, just bear with us as, as we tend to make resolutions and plan to do better and start afresh. And, 
We just thank you for the extension of our lives to this time. And just to be here and be a part of this assembly is pretty well indicative of, of good or reasonable health and that things are, are going as well as they can. But uh, just as we have reviewed, there are a lot of people who are sick and suffering and we pray your blessings to be showered upon them. We pray for Irene Baker and her situation with her cancer and we just pray you'll give her good days. Bless Austin Wentz and his long series of treatments. We pray for the Davis family and Wade's disappearance. We pray that they'll get some kind of closure. We pray your blessings on Bobby Petty who has cancer. Be with the Woodruffs as Marty is very sick with cancer and Donna uh, has been going through some testing with regard to um, some fears that they had. We're, we're thankful that uh, maybe, maybe nothing developed and they'll just monitor it. We pray she's okay. We pray for Eli Johnson, who's undergoing treatment still, uh, perhaps just to maintain his health. We pray for Ann Langford, who's experienced a lot of pain. Be with Emma Hutton, who has cancer, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller. We pray your blessings on Linda Garrett. We rejoice in uh, her freedom from cancer, and we pray that these follow-up treatments are going to continue to make that so. Bless Barbara Foster, who has cancer, Larry Muse, who has cancer. Pray for Lennox and Micah and their families as they seek treatments for cancer. Bless the Tolleston family as Sybil has Alzheimer's. Pray for Jeremy Owens and his health. Bless Joanne and Ben that they will have good days and, and feel better. Pray for Jayla Ross as she has returned home and just pray she'll continue to make progress there. Be with Sadie Downs who's been battling cancer. Johnny Derrick who's gotten a bad report. We, we pray that pray he can be treated. Be with Monique Brown, who has cancer. Billy Martin's friend, who's very sick. Christy Nash. Pray for Norma Hemwell, that she will have good days. And bless Joan as she tends to her. We pray for Joey Jameson in his recovery. Bless Rhonda Lansdale, who has cancer. Pray for Dennis Brown in his long season of treatments. We ask your blessings on Terry Ross and Sean Crum as they both await liver transplants. Pray for Junior Wilson who has cancer, Allie Johnson who's taking chemo, be with Jonathan Bishop who has cancer, Flora Warner. Uh, we pray that she'll feel better uh, soon and just get over this period of sickness. And I know that a lot of folks down there at Landmark have been sick and we pray they'll be better. We're thankful John Roten's better and we pray that Peggy will be well soon, too. And just bless John. I'm, I'm sure it's very frustrating uh, to be out of balance. And I just pray, Lord, that somehow that can return to him. He can walk freely again. Pray for Pat Hall, who has cancer. Mary King, who has some health problems. We pray for Brian Rowland and his recovering with his recent foot surgery. Pray for Ricky Neves, who's still undergoing treatments. Uh, bless Jackie Lambert with a full recovery. We pray for Will Jennings as uh, he has had this transplant. We pray for him and his dad. Uh, be with Jim as he's trying to feel better. Uh, I know his recovery is slow, but uh, he had a serious health scare. And we just pray he'll have a full recovery and be himself again. Bless Wanda Devon. Uh, with progress and be with her family as they tend to her. Pray for Ray Miller that he'll have a full recovery. Bless Kathy Johnson. Uh, and we don't know how that's going. We're thankful that her surgery went well, but we just pray she has a good prognosis. We pray for Chester Donovan, who's doing well uh, in rehab. Bless Rudy Gerber, who's had surgery. And I just pray the doctors will get on his case quickly and be able to heal him of this disease. Pray for Roy Scott, who's recovering from surgery. Bless Jenny Ballard, 
who's doing some better, uh, although still undergoing some tests with her heart. We pray for Jenny Adams, who's in a lot of pain. Uh, bless Violet Cavaness, and we're thankful that her cancer was caught early, and we pray that whatever treatment comes will be effective. We pray for Callie Allison, who was in a bad accident, and pray that her rehab will go well. We pray for Lynette and Dave Woodrow and the difficulties they face. We rejoice that Jasper is doing better. We, we pray that uh, he can return to his normal activities, be with Dennis and Dot Worley, who still are affected by an accident that happened, I think, over a year or so ago. Bless Marty Green's mother in recovery. Bless Teddy Downs, who's sick. Be with Ann Gardner, who's undergoing tests for concerns with her brain. Pray your blessings on Francille, that she'll recover well and be back with us soon. We pray for the Smith family in Kelby Smith's passing. We thank you for the good work that he did, and we pray for Doug's comfort. We ask your blessings on Susan Wood's family, and especially our Brenda and, and her passing. Uh, be with Maydean as she is trying to get back to normal, uh, taking therapy on her arm. Pray that it's going to go well. Please, please help her through that, not to experience too much pain and anxiety with it. We ask your blessings on Mallory Mahon and her family and her dad's passing away. And be with the Heath Morris family and comfort them. We pray for Pat Ross who has cancer and is consulting with doctors soon. We pray, Lord, that the doctors can ascertain exactly what the problem is and be able to prescribe a treatment that's going to be effective. Pray for River Duggar who's in the ICU, complications from RSV. Pray for Jamie Warner as he's facing further treatments for the bone infection. We pray that that can be eradicated. And be with Sarah Kate as she's dealing with these kidney stones. And we pray that, that the worst is past her and that she can enjoy the trip that they're on. Bless us, Lord, as we continue our study of your word. Thank you for the power of it and Help us to make the connections that you want us to make as we study your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, two weeks ago we looked into the book of Jeremiah, and I basically gave you a synopsis of the book following several key chapters in the book. Chapter 1, which gives us the introduction of Jeremiah into the work of a prophet, we looked at chapter 18, which is God's description of how he works. And I think it's pretty telling. That's not just helpful with the book of Jeremiah and the implications on God's people then, but understanding that God, God can do as God chooses. And that's a whole different study, the sovereignty of God. But he describes us basically as a malleable piece of clay. And we are in his hands. If we will be faithful and he can work with us, then he will fashion us into something glorious that glorifies him by virtue of that glory. But if we choose to be unfaithful, he can just smash us and make us into a, a, a useless something. I mean, that, that, that depends on our willingness to submit to his will. That was especially applicable to Judah. And that Judah was still at this late hour given an opportunity to repent and return to God. But they chose not to. And Jeremiah is going to be the mouthpiece of God. So when we got to uh, Jeremiah chapter 36, then God is preparing to unleash his wrath on those people. But oh, that they would repent if they will. Very last chapter, we saw the results. They did not repent. God sent his fury down from the northern territories as he promised that he would, and Jerusalem was taken into captivity. And that's, that's the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, a man with a deep heart for God's people, hoping that they will repent and that the story will be a beautiful one. But it was not so. Now you can imagine that given the dynamics of that, faithfulness, unfaithfulness, 
God's judgment of his people. If you will submit, I'll bless you. If you don't, I will curse you. That same old story that we have heard from the very beginning, even until now, is so applicable to us. And there are some key texts that you find planted in the New Testament scriptures that are drawn out of the drama that is found there in the book of Jeremiah. So I thought that we would look at some of those passages tonight and just see how that, that connection is actually made. Because sometimes, sometimes there are big question marks in our minds, I think, when we read a quotation that's made in the New Testament. We read it within the context of what's going on there, and then we go back to the original statement, and we think, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure how that connects. I want us to look at some together tonight. In Jeremiah chapter 7... Actually, when you begin at verse 1, uh, that text says that the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, verse 2, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. Jeremiah stood at the door of the temple and he pronounced the message of God to a people that thought they were okay, but they were not. Now, the text that is quoted in our New Testament scriptures is actually found in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 11. I want us to see it as it's used. Now, there are three different places that it's used. I want to use the one that I think has, has an interesting reaction that's described in it. It's found in Mark chapter 11. We're going to, verse 17 is where the quotation is made, but I want to go back to verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them, saying to them, and here's our quotation from Jeremiah 7. Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, I want to stop right here and remind us, this is a quotation of Jeremiah doing what? Standing at the door of the temple, and he's shouting out a condemnation to the nation of Judah. The problem is that they had been assembling here in Jeremiah's time. They had been assembling there in the temple and they'd been going on like everything was fine. In fact, I want you to look here in verse 8 leading up to verse 11 of Jeremiah 7. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, oh, we're, we're delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes. Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Here's the thing. Either I will deliver you or I will punish you. Is it that you come here into the temple and you say, deliver us, deliver us, but then what am I supposed to deliver you? so that you can continue to lie and abuse and worship foreign gods? Is that what you want me to do? Now you see the condemnation there, right? He stands at the door of the temple. He's speaking for God. God knows exactly what's going on. Here are these priests who are coming in and they're going through the motions. They think everything is fine, but God says it is not fine. And you're continuing to assemble here is an affront to me. I know how you are when you leave this place of worship. And I am not going to put up with it. So you come and cry to me for deliverance. I am not delivering you. Okay, now, back to Mark chapter 11. So they came to Jerusalem. Jesus, he goes to the temple. He drives them out. And by the way, 
Did you know John chapter 2 describes Jesus doing the same thing earlier in his ministry? Sometimes we get in the mind, well, Jesus one time drove out these money changers. This is at least the second time that Jesus does this. John records both occasions. So here is Jesus coming in again, trying to right what is wrong. So verse 16, he would not allow them to carry their wares through the temple. Then he made that quotation that we read just a moment ago. The scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. Then evening had come, he went out of the city. What was Jesus seeing in Jerusalem right now that evoked within him this cry of Jeremiah from so long ago? Yes, that is true. They're going to get him. And that, that was the reaction. But why do they want to get him? Because they are, and I can spell it with four letters, F-A-K-E. Fake. They're fake. Jesus comes in, what does he see happening here? Okay, now I've heard this described a lot of different ways, and, and that is true. Um, he talks about them selling doves. And by the way, do you remember what Jesus' parents brought as an offering when he was born to the temple? Doves. Who gives a dove? I mean, isn't, don't we always talk about the lamb and uh, bullocks and all this expensive livestock? The poorest, absolutely right. The poorest of the poor brought the dove. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, the, he, um, uh, Luther even references those who would bring the meal offering. The poorest of the poor. Jesus came from a home that was the poorest of the poor. Jesus had experience here. So he comes to the temple. Now, what he's seeing, and, and what you said there is exactly right. Uh, a lot of times we think the, the major offense here is that they're selling these things. Well, okay. You live 200 miles away from Jerusalem. How long did it take you to get here on foot? What happens if you travel here, you've got this lamb you have sequestered for a year, it's perfect, and on your way you're attacked by a lion and it's killed? You just bring that dead carcass with you and say, well, you know, on the way over here with it, I don't know, it's the will of God. No, you can't do that. So now what are you going to do? Honestly, the idea, the idea of offering these sacrifices at a price, the idea of it is fine. Now, historically, you get the idea that, hey, you know, people are kind of stuck, so we can jack the prices up and, and make, it, make some money. And then if we sell it using the temple coins, then first they have to exchange, and we can make a lot of money here. Okay, that's an affront. But think about this for a second. Where, anybody know where actually within the temple grounds this was happening? And, and, and the point is made in this text that Jesus even went to, through the process of pushing people on through. Here's what was happening. There was an area within the temple grounds wherein Gentiles could come if they wanted to. And worship God. The court of the Gentiles. Ever hear that? Okay, so these leaders were using the court of the Gentiles in order to set up establishments wherein they could sell off these things. Yeah, make a profit. And not only that, but you know, this, it's, it, the, the best way I knew how to describe it was something that we're probably familiar with. So we've got this this, uh, the grounds here with all these buildings on it. And between this main building here and the annex, we've got this pass-through. Okay, question. Do only members of this church during services use the pass-through? 
<laughs> no, uh, Jim knows because he's over here quite a lot. It's a major thoroughfare. People drive through our property all the time like, it's, uh, like it is a regular road going through there. So when we have a vacation Bible school, what do we have to do? Maybe we have to block it off from the road up there and then back over here across the bridge because people will, they see the kids there, they don't care because what do they want to do? Pass right on through. Well, this court of the Gentiles had become not just a place for selling wares, it had become a pass-through. People were going from one part of the city to another. Hey, let's just jockey through the court of the Gentiles. Who cares? After all, they're only what? They're only Gentiles. Now, ask yourself this question. Why was there even a court of the Gentiles? Why have that? They're not allowed to go in the temple, but why, would, why even accommodate them at all? What could Gentiles actually do? They did, but what could they do? You ever heard of the word proselyte? You could be a Gentile and be converted to Judaism. You would be a proselyte. You could be converted. So this court, did God set this aside so that people could make money off of potential sales of sacrifices? Did God put this court of the Gentiles there to make easy access from one part of the city to another? Say no. No. Then what is it for? It's for worship. But how about this? How about this is a place for evangelism? Here is a place where instead of thinking about what you can get out of folks or basically using up the space so Gentiles can't even get in here, how about reaching out to the nations? Jesus had been in there one time before and it frustrated him. The zeal of the Lord had welled up in him. Why? He's mad because they're making a profit? No, because they were, and what was that word I spelled out for you? F-A-K-E. They were fake. Okay, how does God feel about us just going through the motions? Now, again, let's reference back to Jeremiah's time. Jeremiah is standing at the door of the temple, and he is announcing the hypocrites that they are. Jesus is running the money changers out. He's pushing those folks who are just using it a pass-through out of the way. And he quotes Jeremiah. How does God feel about people who are fake in their religion? Okay, I have one answer here. He has no use for them. Is it more dire than that? Now, this is keeping in mind not just folks who haven't been involved, but folks who are deliberately just going through the motions. I want a good show of it. Going back to Jeremiah's time, we're fake as can be. During the week, we're worshiping foreign gods. We're lying and cheating toward one another. But boy, when it's time to get in here and come worship God, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to, you know, pull in our priests here. We're going to have our sacrifices. God, through Jeremiah, said, I'm sick of this. And I'm, you know what? You say, well, save us so that we can continue to worship you. You hadn't been worshiping me. So what did God do to them? Wiped them out. What is God going to do in Jesus' time? Jesus, and remember, Jeremiah is known as the what? The weeping prophet. Did Jesus ever weep over Jerusalem? Yes, he did. Why? Because they were lost. But it's deeper than that, isn't it? Because that very temple that Jesus was running out and trying to make things right, the zeal of the Lord has overcome him. That very same temple around 70 AD was going to have what happen to it? It was going to be flattened by the Romans. And at that time, you know what happened to Judaism? That was the last stronghold of Judaism historically. That was the end 
three segments of time characterized right there in that one little verse. My house, where I meet, where I am, shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Another thing. Why did people come to the why did they come to the temple? Jeremiah's time, come to the temple, Jesus' time. You say, well, clearly they were there for the purpose of the sacrifices, right? We talk about the doves, Jesus upset about the money changers. Is that what God was looking for? Sacrifice, more sacrifices? Instead of thinking of the temple as a place of mere sacrifices, you know, the offering of these things to kind of put in the stead of sin and year after year after year after year, God was yearning for that place to be a place of what? Of worship, particularly of prayer. What is it about prayer that is so special? It's communicating with God. Now think about that. They were offering these sacrifices, but were they communicating with God? Oh, no, they were not. And God says, okay, you won't talk to me? I'll talk to you through Jeremiah, and here's what is about to happen. Wow. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 24. This is actually in a section uh, that... It's kind of miscellaneous. I mentioned to you that this book is, it's interesting in that there are just a, a bunch of accumulations of statements that Jeremiah makes that are prophetic. Uh, you remember in 36 where, you know, um, Baruch uh, goes to the people, is, the princes is like, okay, here's the word of God. And he pronounces it. And then they, they destroy the book. You know, they burn the thing. And so, it's redone, probably what we have in our possession right now. Redone, the whole, the whole book, all of those prophecies again. Well, there are sections where they're just kind of jumbled up, just exhortations. If you'll just do the right thing, here's what's going to happen. So Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. But let him who glorifies, uh, let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. What does God delight in? Superstars? Superstars. God delights in what? God delights in the person who glorifies Him. You can do Ten things amazingly well. That's great. You can get a claim all you want. But if you buy into that and your intention, the heart that you has, have is for your own light to shine, guess what the Lord thinks of it? What, what Doug teaches these children ought to be instilled in all of us. And that is... My existence on this planet is not to make a name for myself. I saw a meme the other day talking about how that if people don't remember you after you're gone, then you wasted your time. That is wrong, 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 wrong. The reason that you are here is what? To glorify God. The Lord God Almighty says, let him who glories, you glory in this that you understand and you know me. I'm the Lord. I exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. May God be glorified. And what are we? We're just signs point to him, yes? Sounds like time's up. This happens a lot. There are several texts. I, I have them up here. If you, I'll leave it there for a second if you want to jot those down or just take a picture of them. These are connections between ancient history where God is begging people to do right. That happened in Jeremiah's time. It happened in Jesus' time. In both cases, they failed. But what is the benefit to us? Does it have to be three times? No, it does not. Can we not learn to put God first, to be faithful to Him 
and be certain that His is the glory? Nod your head this way. Absolutely. Okay, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jeremiah and other prophets who, who did bring glory to you. And I pray that we'll do the same. We'll not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. I pray, Lord, that you'll keep us safe as we enter into a new year. If you'll grant that, give us a good evening together. Thank you for the blessings of all the, the food that's been prepared. And just keep us safe and bringing glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.